Hello, Internet. I'm Stephen Harowitz, and I'll be your host for this episode of Campfire at Home, recorded here in St. Louis, Missouri. Almost every month, we gather at the campfire to hear stories about life and how we live it, from the everyday voices that live around us. Campfire at Home is how we bring that live storytelling experience to you, wherever you are. In this episode, I have something special for you, as I always try to, because we have stories to share from the capstone event of our recent advanced storytelling class featuring Grace, Katie, Lizzie, and Noki. These students signed up for the class way back at the beginning of 2020, and we held one class in April in person, and then the pandemic settled into our bones as a reality. We postponed the rest of the classes to the summer, We were thinking hopefully we could return to in-person classes by then, and when it became inevitable that the pandemic would continue to wreak havoc on our daily lives, we went ahead with holding the class online. All this to say, this has been a long time coming. Over six class sessions after a brief refresher on what we'd learned in Intro to Storytelling, this class took a deep dive into ensuring that as public speakers, our intentions align with our impact. We also practiced learning to really listen and love our own voices. Students also practiced giving and receiving constructive peer feedback throughout the course. This process required deep reflection centered on the season theme, false narratives. The story you'll hear in this episode represents the storyteller's interpretation of the false narratives theme and how false narratives have impacted their life. This brings us to the Campfire at Home episode you are listening to right now. This episode will highlight one of our four student storytellers. You can catch the other storytellers by subscribing to Campfire at Home, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, let's head to the campfire to listen to Noki's story on false narratives. My best friend Amelia swears she wasn't flirting with me the night that we met. It was my first trans support group, and I was incredibly nervous because I had—I just knew that I would show up and everyone would just see right through me, right? Like, I'm not trans enough. I'm not queer enough. Um, but I showed up, and everyone was incredibly, you know, kind and supportive. But there was this one person in particular with dark curly hair and super cute freckles who was giving the most empathetic and intentional feedback. And, uh, you know, right away, I just felt connected to Amelia's warmth and intelligence. Um, After group, we all went out to this local cafe and I was running late. So when I walked in, I noticed that the the table was already completely full and it just brought up all those emotions all over again, right? Like I don't fit here, I don't belong. Um, But of course, somebody looked up and smiled and said, you know, hey, Noki, you know, grab a chair and we'll make room for you. And they did, Um, you know, but the last two hours had been incredibly exhausting, right? Like sitting in a a bright room uh, with a bunch of strangers being incredibly vulnerable. Um, So I was just sitting there quietly, hoping that I didn't come off as weird um, until I felt someone breeze by me on the left. And I heard the scraping of a chair and, you know, I heard it being sat down next to me and I look over and it's Amelia. Um, She has this great way of just drawing people out and making them feel comfortable. And pretty soon, I was jumping into conversations about books and board games and getting to ask questions about the trans experience, um, which was, you know, why I was there in the first place. Eventually, the cafe closed down and we all went outside. And at this point, I am 
well beyond exhausted, but I felt like, you know, I just gotten this foothold into this group of, you know, courageous and beautiful women, and I didn't want to give it up just yet. So I stuck around. Um, even as other people, you know, trickled out to their cars, I stuck around uh, until it was just me and one other person. And of course, that one other person was Amelia. She asked uh, where my car was parked, and I said, oh, two or three blocks away. And she asked if I needed a ride, and I said yes. Um, and when we get, you know, to my car, instead of giving me the signal for like, hey, you know, we've been hanging out a while, um, it's, uh, it's super late, you know, get the hell out of my car, uh, she started up another conversation. And I can't remember exactly how long we talked, but eventually I realized that it's super late and that I, you know, had completely forgotten how tired I was. And so I thanked her and I drove home. I am someone who keeps a meticulous diary. And so recently I went back to that day and um, among the anxiety and just the sheer joy of, of that evening, it was very clear to me that I had a thing for Amelia. And I thought, you know, with all the attention she was giving me that uh, she was flirting with me too. But what I didn't know about Amelia, you know, yet is that she has this magic power where if there's anyone in her orbit who's struggling, she will zero in on them and give of herself and, and make sure that they feel safe and welcome. But I was oblivious, right? Like I was just like, super girl, you know, super cute girl was flirting with me, you know, it's so fun, so awesome. Um, and so the next week I was really excited to go to group and I was excited to see Amelia. Um, while she was talking, she mentioned that um, she played music and I thought I'd be real clever, right? I'd be real slick. And so in my feedback to her, I said, well, you know, I also play an instrument and maybe we should, you know, hang out at your house sometime and jam out. And then I realized what I'd just done. I just flirted with Amelia in front of this entire room of people I'm just getting to know. Um, but Amelia just looked at me and she smiled that smile where her eyes closed almost all of the way. And she said, yeah, we should definitely hang out. So we made plans for that weekend. Um, I ended up getting sick, so we had to reschedule. But instead of putting off our friendship, we started texting. And I went back into my diary um, and, and it says that we talked from noon until 10.30 p.m. And the last line in that entry said that I can't be 100% certain, but this definitely feels like flirting. Um, so we kept talking throughout the week and the day finally came. And once again, I was incredibly nervous because Amelia is a real musician. She plays all these instruments, she's been in bands, she's recorded albums. And I realized all of a sudden, like I haven't played the piano in years, right? Like it's just the worst flirt I possibly could have chosen. Um, so when I show up and she's like, hey, you know, grab your equipment, let's go downstairs and, and get set up. I was like, well, how about instead of doing that thing, you know, that we've been talking about for two weeks, why don't we just stay up here and sit on the couch and get to know each other better? Um, but she was so great about it. She got me some wine and we sat down on her couch. Like any one-on-one, -on -one, you know, platonic situation you hope is actually a date or might actually turn into a date, uh, I started off with the safe and broad topics. And after a while, I could have sworn that we were getting closer on the couch. And then we, you know, moved into the hopes and dreams part of the conversation and we got a little bit closer on the couch. And then both of our banter games just went through the roof, right? Like we're cracking each other up, we're having so much fun, and we're definitely getting closer on the couch. And there is no way that Amelia can deny her flirtations that night because all of a sudden 
She pulled me into her arms and she kissed me deeply. And then I freaked out. There were a lot of things going on in my life um, in that moment, but my biggest you know, unspoken fear was I didn't know what our sex would look like. Hormone therapy affects us in big ways and small ways. And lately, you know, my body hadn't been as cooperative in the bedroom. Um, not to mention, you know, I had this, uh, you know, growing up in deeply Southern Baptist, you know, in, you know, architecture around sex and sexuality that I was, you know, having to heal from my entire life. Um, but the biggest thing for me was I had been in heteronormative relationships my entire life. And so what did I know about queer intimacy? Nothing really. And so I looked at her and I said, I am sorry, but I don't think I'm ready for this yet. And she was hurt and I was so embarrassed. And you think, right, like this would just make our friendship just way more casual, right? We talk after group or maybe we text from time to time, but it, that night set off this cycle of over and over again um, where we'd hang out as friends. Um, and then maybe, you know, we might, cuddle up as friends, and then maybe we'd start smooching, just as friends, of course. Um, and then one of us would say, like, hey, you know, we're having so much fun hanging out as friends, you know, why don't we try dating again? Um, but inevitably, one of us would freak out. And so the cycle continued. Um, but eventually, we did make it back to Amelia's bedroom. And after the, the kissing and all of the heavy petting, you know, reached that moment of no return. I froze up and I pulled away and I moved my body to the edge of her queen size mattress and I put my arms under my body and I looked away from her towards the wall. And I thought, this is it, right? This is the moment when she decides that she just can't do it anymore. But Amelia did exactly what Amelia does best. And just like that night, you know, that we first met, she asked if I needed help. And I said, yes. And she asked if she could touch me. And I said, yes. And so she put her fingers on my back and she was soothing me and caressing me. And I turned my head towards her and I smiled. So she, you know, picked up the pace. And eventually, you know, I start making those intimate sounds, right? That let your partner know like, hey, you're doing something real good. Uh, don't stop, right? Um, and so she started moving her hands all over my body. And in these intricate patterns, um, and, you know, eventually she lifted her hands from my body and I noticed that there was this swirling ball of energy in my chest and I've never experienced pleasure that intense, you know, certainly not from simple touch, but definitely not, you know, something that just hung there in the body. And so, you know, I, I let Amelia know what was going on and instantly, right? She put on her scientist cap and was like, we are going to figure this thing out. Um, so she starts touching my neck and I feel the energy move to my stomach and she touches my arm and I feel the energy, you know, shoot up my legs. And she's like, what if I, you know, touch your arm and your leg at the same time? And what if I swirl on your chest like clockwise and then counterclockwise? And then what if, and what if, and what if until we just collapsed? into a heap of ecstasy. And then we pulled out our phones, right? Like, and let me tell you, trying to, you know, search the internet for what had just happened uh, without already knowing exactly what this whole tantric thing's about uh, was damn near impossible. But I felt in that moment, like everything was gonna be okay. Um, even though it would take us month after month after month trying to figure out if we were more than you know, just friends, um, I knew that there were other ways to love. And it was gonna be this 
awesome adventure getting to figure them all out. And from time to time, Amelia and I would get together and we would explore those possibilities together. Until one morning, you know, we've been hanging out day and night for two weeks. Um, and Amelia sits up in bed and there's this, you know, beautiful sunlight streaming through her, her stained glass windows and illuminating those curls that I just adore so much. And she asked me, you know, is this the time? Is this when we finally get together for real? Uh, nothing has ever been, you know, so easy to say with such certainty than, yes, my love. Later, I would write in my diary that, you know, we don't always get to choose the endings to the stories we set out to tell for ourselves. I wanted to give insight into what it was like for me to have to discover queer intimacy, like all the way in my mid thirties. And it really turned into this love letter to my best friend. And, you know, no matter who flirted first or who pulled away last, we held onto the hope that we would find each other in the end. Thank you. And that's a wrap. You can make sure to hear the other episodes from our advanced storytelling graduates by subscribing to Campfire at Home, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked what you heard and you're able, please leave a review. It helps others find our podcast and it supports our students. If you were listening to tonight's episode and thought, that's pretty cool. Well, we'd love to have you come out to an event or take a class. You can visit campfire.com. That's C-M-P-F-R dot com for all the details. And whether you live in St. Louis or nowhere nearby, there are ways to take classes and attend our events virtually. You can find out more at campfire.com. That's C-M-P-F-R.com. As always, a big thank you to the Campfire team, our podcast producer, Jeff Allen, and everyone who attends these live events. Tonight's stories were recorded live on Zoom from across the country. Thanks for listening to Campfire at Home. And thanks for letting me be your host. I'm Stephen Harowitz. Until next time.